Imagine your whole life must fit in a jar. If you first put in the big rocks, faith's foundational truths, the Bible, God, the nature of mankind, the resurrection, all of life inside the jar. The important things you add, friends, family, education, work, finances, self-worth, future, plus everything else. Homes, cars, travel, recreation, technology, sports, clothing, entertainment, chores, hobbies, will make more sense and be more meaningful. Wow, Easter Sunday is such an amazing uh, Sunday, and so we're so glad that uh, you took some time to be a part of our uh, resurrection celebration today. Uh, I want to also welcome those that are joining us online today. Thank you. And we have some folks over in our video venue and want to say we appreciate uh, you being with us today, too. And since it is Easter Sunday, I get to actually share one of my favorite stories I've ever heard as a pastor. And it was about a guy who had a friend of his who had started a business and things were really beginning to grow and they'd outgrown their current location. And so they had to move and uh, kind of have a grand opening at this next place that was going to allow them to be able to expand. And so the one friend wanted to honor his other friend at this momentous occasion. So he called up a florist and he said to the florist, hey, I got a friend who's going to be celebrating this grand opening at this new location. Uh, could you make sure that it is appropriately celebrated through a plant or a, a flowers or something that could be there? The florist said, no problem. We do that all of the time. We'll take care of it. And so the day came for the grand opening, and he showed up too because he wanted to be there in person as well to be able to celebrate with his friend. And as he walked in, the place looked great, but he noticed that there were a lot of different bouquets and flowers and plants in different places. And so he started walking around just to kind of look at them, see which one actually might be from him. And all of a sudden, he came across one of me. thought, oh, no, this is not supposed to be here because it was a bouquet of flowers with a ribbon across the front that said, rest in peace. And then much to his horror, he looked a little closer at this bouquet and it had his name on it. That's what the florist had done. So as soon as he got a chance, he, he got off on the corner and called on his cell phone and the florist and said, hey, what have you done to me? You said you'd take care of it. I wanted to honor my friend. You send a bouquet of flowers that says rest in peace. What are you gonna do about that? And it was just kind of silence on the phone for a little bit, I think until the florist finally gained his composure. He said, oh, sir, sir, I'm so terribly sorry. This usually never happens. I apologize for it. We'll do, I all do, try to do all we can to make it right for, he, for you. But he says, I, I gotta let you know, sir, uh, that if you think you're upset, uh, somewhere in this city today, there's a funeral service with a bouquet of flowers and across the front it says, good luck in your new location. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun to be at that funeral service that day? <laughs> well, I say that because, you know, where someone spends their eternity is never a matter of luck at all. The only reason any of us get to eternity is because of relationship with the risen Christ which is why what you believe about the resurrection is so important, and it actually is wrapping up this series that we've been in called Big Rocks. Uh, we've been using the illustration as, uh, of a jar, and that's kind of like your life. 
and you get to decide what goes in the jar. And what we've been learning is that if you, you're not careful to put the big rocks in first, you're never ever gonna be able to get them in. So you need to make sure you put them in first. And there are some big rocks that everyone needs in their jar that we're calling faith's foundational truth. It's in a series we've done these last few weeks. And because we know what we experience in life is going to be received and perceived and shaped by what we believe about these four big rocks. And so big rock number one that we looked at the first week is that the Bible is God's authoritative word. We need to know that in our minds. That needs to be foremost. The Bible is where we find unchanging, timeless truths that we can solidly build our lives upon. Which then brings us to big rock number two. And big rock number two uh, actually brings us to God and the fact that God is the omnipotent, gracious creator of the universe. Now this universe... Uh, an entire universe, and we're finding out today how measurably uh, immense it is, bigger than we ever imagined, that all belongs to God. And in spite of this huge universe, he specifically cares about each one of us. Well, that brings us to rock number three, because big rock number three is that humanity is the centerpiece of God's creation, but it's broken, and it's in desperate need of redemption. God really does love and value people more than anything on this world, which is why he pursues a love relationship with you that's real and personal, that's made possible because of Jesus Christ. Well, today on this resurrection weekend, we're gonna intentionally arrive at big rock number four. You might be guessing what big rock number four is about. And the reason I know this is a big rock it's because of what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses three through five, and I've highlighted just a couple of parts of it. Paul wrote and said, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first important. It's a big deal. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he didn't just uh, rise from the dead and disappear, he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 and to many other. And whether you and I realize it or not, the only reason that Christianity exists at all today is because of the resurrection of Christ. The only reason we have a New Testament portion of the Bible is because of the resurrection. Now, strong opposition uh, against those early first followers of Jesus got to the point where they were actually being arrested for publicly teaching about Jesus and told they needed to ce ce cease and desist uh, because they just wanted Jesus to go away. The religious leaders was hoping it was just all kind of fade away. And so one time they had arrested a few of the apostles and they're trying to figure out what to do with them because these guys just wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. They couldn't get him to stop. And so as they're debating, I think the wisest man that was a part of that group that day of the Sanhedrin was a guy by the name of Gamaliel. And Gamaliel actually stood up and he addressed the rest of the Sanhedrin. And, and this is what he said. He said, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. And then after him, remember Judas the Galilean, who appeared in the days of the census. He led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. And then in verse 38, he gets to the important part. He says, therefore, in this present case, 
I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it's going to fail. But I'll tell you what he says, if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourselves to be fighting against God. And folks, that's exactly what anyone who's ever tried to stop Christianity has found out. And what makes this so much of a truth is that Jesus' death was followed by his resurrection. That's why it happens. And now 2,000 years later, uh, it's evidenced that this is one of the most significant truths that provide an amazing, amazing perspective for Christ's followers that the rest of the world doesn't really enjoy. And so big rock number four is about the resurrection because folks, it is the resurrection that proves that there is more to this life than just this life. And that's what gives us hope in our lives today. And it's important because for most of us, death is a little bit of an issue. And death is significant, folks, because death is a universal fear. Now, if you think about it, death is feared because for all intents and purposes, it appears to be the end of us. It's when our life is over, uh, which puts it in the category of just about the worst thing that could ever happen to you if it truly is the end. And if death is the worst thing that could ever happen to you, you're going to try to avoid it at all costs. And, you know, we saw that going on in our world just three years ago when the COVID pandemic hit and people were trying to avoid death at all costs. Now, there was an anthropologist by the name of Donald Brown who did research on human universals. It's what it's called. It's things that are common to all people. And he actually identified 372 features of the human race, like baby talk and fear of snakes and music, which are literally found in all societies. And then those 372 features were boiled down into five universal fears that cause anxiety in every human being on the planet. No, nobody escapes this. And those five universal fears, the first was isolation. Uh, that's one of the reasons why solitary confinement is such a, a difficult punishment because we were created to be in relationship with other people. The second was the future that causes anxiety because we really don't know what tomorrow's gonna hold. A lot of people concerned about that. The third was chaos because we really do like to have our life at least have some order in it. The fourth was insignificance. People fear insignificance in this world, and that could be because, as we learned earlier, that we've actually created in the image of God with some real important significance. But the final and fifth thing that everybody's afraid of is we're all afraid of death. And of anything that can be done in this world, I don't know of anybody who does it better than Jesus, who release us from this fear of death. He talks about that in Hebrews chapter two, verses 14 and 15. And it says there, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Now, how did Jesus break the fear of death? He did it by walking out of the grave on his own power. And death isn't anything that any of us, I think, would want to face without the resurrection. And that's because the resurrection is actually what provides courage for us in the face of death. 
And we literally see this after Jesus' resurrection. We see it infused into his followers. And they had courage that they previously really had never demonstrated. If you remember on the night that Jesus was arrested, when they actually bound him, what did the disciples do? They ran for their lives. They couldn't get away fast enough. And even three days later, they were still deathly afraid and hiding behind locked doors. But you know, after his resurrection, after they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, it was like all of a sudden, they'd not only become unafraid of death, but they were also willing to endure physical retribution on his behalf. Again, when this fledgling movement of Christ followers was gaining momentum, the Jewish religious leaders attempted to crush what they would consider the rebellion, and they did so by threatening bodily harm and even death to anyone who would teach in Jesus' name. But you know, after the resurrection, that, that same Peter who'd been so afraid that he'd actually denied Jesus was now responding to those kind of threats with this remarkable courage, as were his fellow apostles. And in fact, when they were told at one point not to teach at all in the name of Jesus, it says Peter and the other apostle replied, ah, I think we're gonna obey God rather than human beings. Why? Because now they were no longer afraid of death. And the, certainly, the certainty which, which the early Christians looked at their future beyond this life was based on their firm belief in one amazing and history-altering event, the death and the resurrection of Christ. And I love what uh, Tim Keller, he's a pastor and an author, wrote about it. It's so clear. He says, Christianity was born out of some of the toughest times in history. That's when it got its start. And it flourished, actually, through the ancient plagues. And it kept growing in the bleakest of circumstances. And it was the power of Christ's resurrection that actually birthed this new movement of God and has still kept it alive for over 2,000 years. And folks, that's because the resurrection is what gives us hope in our darkest hour and in the face of our greatest challenges. It's the resurrection. It gives courage to people like Richard Wombrand, who was a Romanian minister who was imprisoned for his faith. And he was told that it was strictly forbidden to preach the gospel to any other prisoners. And whoever would be caught doing so would be severely beaten. But then he said, he said, a number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. And so we accepted their terms. It was a deal. We preached and they beat us. And we were happy preaching and they were happy beating us. And so everyone was happy. <laughs> it's amazing how he could get there. And so we've got to recognize, while it may appear, and it does to many of us, that the church today seems to be losing its momentum, I can guarantee you that it's not going away because its founder would not stay in the grave. And he came out on Easter Sunday, and on one of his missionary journeys, the Apostle Paul, I think, kind of puts it in the, uh, the, the framework that we need to understand it. He was teaching in a synagogue, and in Acts chapter 13, verse 27, he says to them, the people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. And even though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross. 
and they laid him in the tomb. They thought, we've done it. We've accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. But verse 30 is the best part. Because verse 30 starts with two important words. Those words are, but God. See, God wasn't done. It wasn't over yet. God raised him from the dead. And when we hear that, when we see that, what Peter knew and what we need to know is that the resurrection proves to us that God's purposes will prevail. (laughs) The mankind can do whatever they want, but God's going to do what he wants to, to do. And we know this because even though the power brokers of that day thought they had executed, uh, when they had executed Jesus, that they had actually carried out their plans and their intentions, but they weren't the ones to have the final word, were they? Because it says, but God raised Jesus from the dead. And so the resurrection is one of those but God moments, and it demonstrates to us, first of all, that the future really is in God's hands. Things can look pretty bad, they can look pretty sad, but the future is in God's hands, even when it doesn't look that way. Remember that Jesus' death and burial was no accident. But imagine what a devastating blow that must have been to Jesus' followers. I mean, they'd they'd kind of based their life on following him and he was gonna be the Messiah. But here's what they were able to recognize after the resurrection. In Acts chapter four, they were having a prayer meeting. They'd just been encouraged again not to preach or teach. And then they thought about it a little bit more. And in Acts chapter four, they said, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, the two rulers at that time, they met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They actually did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. And folks, Jesus' death and his burial was no accident and neither was his resurrection. And so when it ever appears to us that the world seems to be charting its own course and going in its own way, it would be helpful to remember those two words associated with the resurrection of Christ. It might look that way, but God's still in control. He's still in charge. And because God raised Jesus from the dead, What that meant is that it's not over when it's over. There's more to this life than just this life. And Jesus does indeed offer eternal life to those who would truly believe in him. The the difficulty, I think, is from from our viewpoint. When a life on this earth is over, it, it appears to be the end and it seems to be so final. And that's what can make it so difficult for any of us to deal with death, in, including I want to share with you 17 years ago that after spending just three weeks in college at Joplin, Missouri, our middle son Blake had to be immediately driven back to Colorado and admitted to University Hospital up in Denver, having been diagnosed with ALL, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And it's the kind of cancer that when it's not treated immediately can actually uh, end someone's life in as little as 30 days. And all I can say is that for the next 10 months, we lived on an emotional and a a spiritual and a physical roller coaster. As Blake would end up spending about 180 days in the hospital and his cancer going in and out of remission on several occasions... And then during that time, he would endure at least eight extremely painful bone marrow biopsies, nearly 100 spinal taps where they would stick a huge needle into his spinal cord to draw out fluid because the cancer had spread to his nervous system. 
And then not to mention several difficult rounds of chemotherapy, each with those usual uncomfortable side effects. And all of it would lead up to a, a stem cell transplant, which is only possible, and we're so thankful, because of a single donor match in the entire world's registry for bone marrow donors. And I can tell you, during those months, we cried a lot, we prayed a lot, we fasted, and we asked everyone we knew to pray. And all too often, when we were hopeful that things were just gonna about to get better, they'd get worse. We had never had our faith stretched like that before. I mean, I couldn't figure out why God would allow our son to graduate from high school only to have his life snuffed out just as he was starting to set out on his own. And one of the darkest moments for us happened after yet another relapse with the cancer. And then he didn't respond well to the standard chemotherapy. And so he was given this experimental chemo that we later learned led to the death of several previous leukemia patients. At that point, it kind of appeared that Blake would be another casualty as he started to spiral down physically, dropping in and out of consciousness. And so Diane and I took turns sitting by his bed in the ICU that evening, praying and trying to be brave for him, but hardly able to bear really the, the perspective grief that we were maybe going to face. And during one of his moments of, of consciousness, when I was able to hold his attention for just a few minutes, I really wanted to know if he understood that things were kind of touch and go and that he actually might not make it. And he said he understood. And so I asked him how he was doing and if he was afraid. And he said, you know what, Dad, I'm afraid. But then he immediately added, but Dad, you know, that heaven thing gives me hope. And when I heard that, I, I got to say, in that moment, with his honest profession, my son caused his situation and, and my faith to finally synthesize. See, I believed I needed to hear those words more than Blake. I, the, the pastor, was the one who was in such deep despair, and yet Blake was the one. Blake was the one who was holding on to the power and the promise of the resurrection that says, uh, Jesus did in John eleven twenty five. 25, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Now, I've just got to share with you because some people always wonder. Thankfully, Blake pulled through that night and he's doing well. He's a family man now. He's actually uh, doing what he's always wanted to do more than anything else in his life, be a good husband and a father. But he faced death more confidently than the rest of us. And it's something that we're all going to have to face. And the challenge is that I haven't found yet anybody who doesn't want to go to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. The problem is nobody wants to die. <laughs> and the reality is that's what's going to have to happen for us to be able to get there. Because whether or not you realize it or even willing to acknowledge it, every one of us comes into this world with an expiration date on us. We know that because in Psalm 139, the psalmist writes, God, all the days ordained for me were written in your book. There's a date before one of them came to be. Now, you know, in the United States today, the average life is going to be somewhere between 70 and 80 years, which I think means that anything over 80 years, you got to consider bonus time, right? Because it's just over what it would be. And uh, a number of years ago, I, I realized how the Bible said, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a, a heart of righteousness or think correctly about life. And so I thought I, I should take that seriously. And honestly, 
I used to keep track on a weekly basis of how many days I had left to live. If I would live to be 60, if I would live to be 80, or if I would live to be 100. Now, those were just personal milestones. And I got to be honest with you, when I was 35, this was a lot more encouraging than when I got to 59. Because <laughs> when I got to 59, it was 364, 363. And so I finally just quit. I gave up on that. But you see, even though Jesus gained victory over death by his resurrection, what we've got to remember is that only in death do we actually gain victory over death. And it's not something we need to fear because if we're in Christ, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes and he says, I declare to you, brothers, flesh and blood, our physical bodies, not going to inherit the kingdom of God. The perishable doesn't inherit the imperishable. In just a moment, we're going to wrap this up and we're going to be singing a song I heard a couple of months ago and I thought we got to sing that on Easter Sunday. And when we get to these words, I just want you to lean into them because it's what we need to remember about Easter Sunday. The words are this. Remember those giants we call death and grave? They were like mountains that stood in our way. But he came and he died and he rose. And those giants are dead now. None of us have to face death or fear or fear death when we face death. And so just to help you in that, I, I wanted you to have something to take away today. And I'd like to ask just for the next week, following week, uh, just to pray what I would call the Easter week prayer and see if it can encourage your heart a little bit in this whole thing that we're a journey that we're on. And the prayer is simply this, Jesus, I receive you as my life. I receive all the work and power of your resurrection through which you've conquered sin, death, judgment, and the enemy. Death has no power over you. And I've been raised with you to new life, dead to sin and alive to God. I take my place now in your resurrection and in your life. And I receive, I receive your hope, your love, your joy, your goodness, your wisdom, your power, and your strength. Because I think the days ahead, we don't know what's going to happen, but things get, could get kind of rough. And we're going to need resurrection power in our life. Now, we know already today, because we talked about it, everybody's going to die, but sadly, not everybody's going to go to heaven. The answer is only those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior get to go to heaven. And while many of you here today are already Christ followers, there's got to be a few of you here who've never taken the time to really or, or got through the thought process of surrendering your life to Christ. And so we wanted to give you at least three ways for you to be able to respond. The first one would be very simple. If you've got your phone, all you need to do is text FOLLOW to 719-399-4344. And someone will follow up with you and we'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe you have to go or you have things that you need to do. Uh, if you notice on your welcome card here, it's even in blue. There's a little box you can check that says, please check if you want to go to heaven when you die, but you don't know how. And we would love to follow up with you and talk to you about that. And then one third option, if you're ready to talk to somebody today, my friend Benny's over there. Pastor Benny is our evangelism pastor. He'll be just outside those doors in a place where you can sit down and chat with him. And he would love to talk to you today about your relationship with Christ. But let's go ahead and pray. And then we've got one more song, that song I want us to sing to celebrate uh, the power that's ours because of the victory of the resurrection. Father, we thank you today 
for the gift of the resurrection. We see people born and then we see them die and we wonder what happens, but we thank you that because Jesus that day walked out of the tomb on his own, we know he has power over sin and death and he reveals to us that there is a life after this life that we have to look forward to in him. And so I pray for all of us here to be able to live with resurrection hope and resurrection power in our life. And for anyone here today who doesn't know you, God, would you please stir their heart to be willing to surrender to you and to put their faith and trust in your son, Jesus, because you are our God and what you're in the business of doing is redeeming your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.